You're listening to the Hello Awesome Podcast, and this is episode number 130. Here we go again. Welcome back, my sweet friends. JC here, bringing you another incredible interview that's going to knock your socks off. When God changes a life, the difference between what was and what now is tells the world something supernatural happened. And in this episode, Michelle Ramirez can testify to that personally. One day, she's saying goodbye to her family under the impression that she is on her way to school when 14-year-old Michelle instead jumps on a plane and runs away from home to be with who she thought was going to be the love of her life. Her family not knowing what happened to her for four long years, abuse, drugs, and gang life become the normal, and Michelle had to survive the streets, not only battling addiction, but also to save her own life. Fair warning, I am giving these testimony episodes a parental advisory warning due to their content, so please put on some earbuds if you have to and use your discernment respectfully. Let's listen to Michelle as she shares with us her journey from being crazy in love to understanding the crazy love of Jesus. This is episode number 130 that I am calling Crazy in Love with Michelle Ramirez. Hey guys, I'm JC. Are you ready for real conversations about faith, business, and life? Me too. This is the Hello Awesome podcast, where I bring forth topics and truthful insights that will encourage you to make intentional choices and pursue God with your whole heart. Are you ready to say hello to the awesome blessings that God has for you? All right, let's do this. As you know, every season I have wonderful friends that are willing to bless you with some deals, and this season is no different. Back again to sponsor the podcast is our good friends over at Nuggles. If you are looking for stylish yet comfortable modest clothes this season, Nuggles has the best items to add to your closet at an affordable price. Just use our special code HelloAwesome10 for 10% off at Nuggles.us. That's N-U-G-G-L-E-S dot U-S and upgrade your modesty game right now. It's hard to know what products are toxic for your skin these days, right? But shopping with Oneness Essentials, you won't have to worry about anything except how to not be completely obsessed. Like with their luscious lotion sticks, creamy body butter, and handmade cold-pressed soaps available in so many scents. Never worry about dry skin again. Use code HELLO8 for 15% off your order at onenesssoapbiz.com. That's O-N-E-N-E-S-S-S-O-A-P-B-I-Z.com today. Kaylee is a modest shop for athletic apostolics and the daily go-getter. With quality stretchy skirts and dresses, Kaylee has what you need to make your wardrobe more versatile. Use code HelloAwesome15 for 15% off your order on their website, Kaylee.com. That's K-H-A-Y-E-L-Y.com. And check out their wide selection today. Listen, I love being artsy. You should know that. But my handwriting kind of isn't the best. Thankfully, we have the Graceful Pen, a place for joyfully handmade stationery and gifts to uplift, inspire, and encourage. 
table cards, invitations, gift tags, and envelope calligraphy are just some of their beautiful services. I truly think the Graceful Pen is doing something so wonderful and I hope you will take advantage of using our code SOHAP22 for 5% off your custom calligraphy service this season. Our last sponsor of the Hello Awesome podcast is truly changing lives while also nourishing our skin with a spa-like quality. Delish Lips offers organic skincare with aromatherapy while donating 100% of their proceeds to World Missions. Shop this unique but powerful ministry by going to delishlipsnaturalbeauty.com and consider the change you are contributing to all around the world in the name of Jesus. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Hello Awesome podcast. JC here with another amazing guest. I am so very excited to have Michelle here, another person who I have connected with on social media. Surprise, surprise, right? Michelle, I am so glad that you were able to be on the podcast with me today. Thank you so much for taking the time uh, to share your story with us. Can you please just uh, to begin, share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Hi, JC. Thank you so much for having me here on this podcast. I'm so thankful to be here with you and I'm really excited to, you know, to talk and get to know each other a little bit better and then definitely share. So um, as you know, my name is Michelle and I am originally, I was born in Costa Rica, but I was raised in San Francisco, California, but I have been in Florida for many years now. Um, right now at the moment, I live in Fort Myers, Florida, where I go to a very powerful, dynamic revival church, uh, the Rock Church at Fort Myers. And I am so blessed, you know, to be here with my my home church. And it's just awesome. Um, my pastor is Bishop Randy Williams, um, a great man of God. I'm so thankful for his leadership. Um, what I do here in the church is I am the director of our Bible study development um, Bible study development ministry. I work alongside with my husband. And what we do here for the church is um, we oversee, obviously, all Bible study, uh, all Bible study activity that happens within the church as far as women, ladies, children, um, teen Bible study. We work alongside with gifted leaders to be able to um, help all the new converts that are happening, that are coming into our church and that are um, experiencing, you know, obviously all the new stuff, all the new things, and obviously um, this new beautiful life. So, and with that, we all, we lead an incredible, um, we lead a Bible study development class where we help people that are already established in the church, newer in the church, you know, um, how to become a Bible study teacher. And it has been an incredible blessing to be able um, to give back to the people of God. What we do in our class is obviously we give foundational things. Um, and then also we teach along the lines of search for truth, but we add a lot of our own, our own things that we've acquired through the years living for God on how to become a soul winner, how to become an effective Bible study teacher, how to make connections with people, how to, um, just how to everything, everything under the sun, how to, um, get Bible studies when they're in the church house, how to connect with people outside, you know, and build relationships with them to where 
um, to where you, we, you know, we can win them to the Lord. And, and then instead of giving um, quantity Bible studies, we're giving quality Bible studies. Um, so, yeah, that's a little bit about me. I also work in our women's ministry um, alongside with our women director, and I'm also a Spanish translator. So I'm very busy. I'm very involved in my church, but I wouldn't have it any other way. I absolutely love it. That's incredible. And I know we were talking about this before recording, but Bible studies are so important. I just wanted to say that, like, we have to just be in the word, teach the word and equip each other, especially, you know, if if there are people in the church who don't feel as confident in doing that. So I love everything about your ministry. I think it's so encouraging and it's just it gets me excited to think about um, how you're equipping, you know, equipping brothers and sisters in the church so that they can go and teach the word to other people. Amen. Thank you. It's actually, it's, it's, it's an honor to do so and a privilege. Um, this is something not that we were like, Hey, we're going to create this ministry. This is something that organically happened. My husband and I have been teaching Bible studies for years and we've led men's and ladies Bible study in our home for, for years. Um, but here under our leadership and under our church where we are now, it has really grown to be something so, so to all the glory to God, of course, but it's been very effective and I give God all the glory for it. I'm thankful that God can use me that way. Um, we had, you know, there's some Saturday mornings that I fill my house and we have 30 people here listening to how to become a Bible study teacher. And then we encourage them and we say, Hey, be encouraged. And today go and connect with someone and, and go, go on outreach and connect and get Bible studies. And, um, thankful that we're, we are averaging weekly at our church about, um, sometimes a hundred to 150 Bible studies being taught on a weekly basis. And that's within our group Bible studies and our individual Bible study teachers that are teaching. And that makes my heart so, so happy. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. That's so inspiring. Oh my gosh, I love that. So how we got connected is, like I said before, on social media, of course. But mm-hmm. recently you shared your testimony and it spread around. I saw it on Instagram. I saw it on Facebook. And I was like, I have to talk to her if she's willing to talk to me. And luckily you were. (laughs) But what made you decide that you were ready to share that part of your story pretty much with the whole world? Well, definitely I was very prompted by God. And to be very honest and vulnerable with you is God told me months ago. And I was wrestling with God about it. Like, no, no, no. And it's silly, right, for us to do that. But it's just real talk. I'm just being honest with you. And um, we had, I, I felt God tell me, you got to do this. You, you need to do it. But I was reluctant on doing it because I said, you know, when I've been in church so long, who cares? You know, what does it matter? Anyways, I just basically talked myself out of it. Um, but I kept hearing confirmation after confirmation. When I tell you preaching after preaching, um, people coming up to me, um, hearing the voice of God in prayer. And then you're probably thinking like, wow, how many times does God have to tell you for you to do something? And I don't want you to think that I'm stubborn or anything. It's just because this was so big and my, and just to be honest with you, just because my testimony is so dark, I, I, I buried it for a long time. You know, when we get baptized in the name of Jesus, we bury that old man. So I buried that old Michelle and I didn't want to resurrect any of that. And because I'm not that same person, I'm different. So with the prompting of God, obviously, um, 
also I'm thankful, you know, for the preaching of the word of God, you know, that had, you know, uplifted me and helped me. There was a shifting that happened in, in my life. And the shifting that happened is that I overcame um, a spirit of fear. And it's crazy to say this, but in the church, sometimes we don't realize that we deal with insecurity. We deal with fear. We deal with things. And um, Mm -hmm. even being apostolic, living for God for many years, I was a little blinded on some of the things that I talked myself out of doing because I succumbed to a spirit of fear. And I would say, no, someone else can do it or someone else can be used or someone else can be blessed. But I just would never believe it for me. And so I just basically just hid in prayer and hid behind the scenes. And I was just honestly, it was fear. It was embarrassment. And uh, I just, I said, why why, did, why would anyone want to hear the suffering and the the stupidities, the stupid things that I did in my past. So that all, with that all has been said, I recently started going to, um, to university to finish up my social degree and go towards my last, excuse me, go towards my bachelor's degree. And there was a class that I took there that made me do write down my testimony. So I'm just like, okay, God, I hear you loud and clear, you know, I need to do this. So it was just like a process. And then finally I told my husband, I was like, you know what? It's, I'm going to do this and I, I can't, I need to stop. And it, I wrote, I wrote it down obviously before I posted it. And it just took me like two or three days to write it because I just kept crying and crying because there is so much that you start remembering back. Yeah. And even when I share on social media, it's not even like the full everything. And I left so much out because I mean, if we could write, and say and speak about everything God has done for us. Like we would be talking for hours, right? But God is so good. He's so good. Um, but yeah, that's that's why I shared it. That's why I shared it. Um, the scripture, obviously, um, that's always resounding in my mind, you know, is he brought me up, brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay and set my feet upon the rock and established my goings in that Psalm 40 and 2. And, you know, there's so many people that they have no idea. They don't know about the, about the muck and the miry clay, just the, my goodness, the horrible pit that I was in. And thank, thank God, thank God that he, um, that he saved me for sure. Yeah. Amen. I love that scripture so much. And yeah, if we shared every single part of our testimonies, there's so many layers. It would just, I don't think there are enough characters on any social media post to hold it all. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we have to obviously just share what we can, um, but it definitely made a difference. I know it impacted me and we were talking before recording, you know, people come up to you all the time talking about it. And obviously, you know, it's in God's hands now what happens, but you did your part, you shared, um, your testimony and, um, and I'm so happy that you did because obviously we got connected and now we can, you know, just get a chance to, to tell more people about just his goodness and how, no matter what happens, uh, in your life, you are never too far gone, right? Never too far gone. Absolutely. I agree with you. And, you know, for some of those that probably are listening right now, they, they're like, oh, my goodness, what's up with their testimony? You know, just to give you a brief uh, little thing, you know, I mean, we talk, people look at us right now and they can never tell what we came from. But I would say absolutely everybody has a story. My story is, and obviously it's on social media, but those that are listening right now is I'm an ex-drug addict. 
and I'm an ex 18th Street Crip gang member from San Francisco, California. You know, I worked on the streets, I was selling drugs, and I was making connections to illegal underground raves. Um, with the illegal underground raves, basically, it's just a big old party where people get drunk and, and people get high and then distribution of drugs and, you know, we sell drugs there. And, you know, it's just, it's just, uh, it's just a crazy, crazy pit of mess, you know, and sin. And, you know, I'm saying, obviously, it's done like in big fields or underground um, places or in warehouses and everything. But my job, what I did work with the gang and working with these um like you know with these house parties was I my job was to bring people so we would sell drugs to them and I would we would charge them obviously uh, entry fee and they can buy drugs there and I would make a cut of it and I sold death to people I influenced people to do evil like it's crazy and I didn't care people that got hurt I didn't care what happened to people because I was chasing money and I was chasing this fast life and and all I cared about was myself. I was, uh, I was so selfish, but, but God, and I'm so thankful because yeah. even saying that out loud to you, honestly, sis, like it's been 20 years that my life has changed. And I hope that my testimony, and I mean this, this is my prayer. It's my story for God's glory. You know, what I went through and what I overcame anybody, God can save anybody. If he saved a wretch like me, he can he can save anybody. God's so good. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's go back because obviously there's an origin to all of this. It's not like you were born into this. You know what I mean? Like born into mm-hmm. doing this. It There's a part where you begin and everything kind of escalates. You know, you think you're just starting one thing and then all of a sudden another door opens and you just keep going through all these doors until you get to a place that you never would have thought you were going to be, you know, mm-hmm. and you never thought you'd be involved in. And, and then you're like, well, how do I get out? You know what I mean? So let's walk back to when you were a teenager, because I was looking at your whole testimony and what you shared in your post. And mm-hmm. that was the part that you shared where you decided that you wanted to run away. And mm-hmm. I, wanted to know what made you actually do it and go through with it. So I wanted to run away and really just the, the reason why is because I just wanted to be free. I wanted to do my own thing. I was a very ungrateful, a very rebellious teenager. I grew up in a very, very, and I mean, I mean, very, very strict Latino home and um, obviously my parents are Hispanic, you know, um, I was born in Costa Rica and, you know, that's just how it was, you know, my dad's the head of the house and my mom did everything, you know, and it was just uh, the order of our home. I, I just felt stuck and being raised very Americanized, even though I was a very Latino home, it's like I had both worlds that were just like, I was just like confused, but one of the reasons why I ran away is because friendships are so powerful and you don't realize that the friends that you have sometimes will influence you to do good or bad. You are who your friends are. Right. And with me running away, I had friends that would tell me and influence me so negatively to not listen to my parents, do whatever you want, this, this, and that. I mean, I can go on and on and on. Um, But I guess, I guess to answer you, that would be the reason why. And also, you know, love is absolutely powerful. And I had met um, a man that 
never knew that when I first fell in love with him, I was a very, um, very young, desperate girl looking for love and attention. And I never knew that I was a target for a predator. And I never knew that when he told me that he loved me, that I would foolishly believe him. And that was one of the reasons why I got up from, got up that morning, told my parents bye that I was going to school. And then I hopped on a plane and went back to California and I didn't see him till four years later. Love will make you do things that are absolutely crazy. That doesn't make any sense. The, the fact that you actually did that, like got on a plane and like flew is I think crazy to some of us, but when you think back, like all of us think back when we were teenagers, everything is heightened. Everything feels so uh, much bigger you know, mm-hmm. our f- emotions are like just right on our sleeves. And you're right. Love will make you do some crazy things, including fly on a plane and not <laughs> literally not see your family for four years mm-hmm. when you're a, when you're a kid, basically. And so when you got to California, what happened? What became your quote unquote normal life? How did things unfold for you when you got there? So when I got there, the way I can tell you, there's a, it's a two part answer. So the first part of it, when I got there, um, of course I had obviously a lot of friends. I had a lot of connections. I knew everybody cause I was raised there and because of how San Francisco is at that time when, you know, I mean, it still is very violent now, but you had to choose a side for protection. You had to make very smart choices, very smart decisions because it would cost you your life. So my normal was, okay, I'm going to align my life with this man for protection that I thought was going to love me, but it was all manipulation, you know, honestly. And um, with that, I, I thought I was in this fantasy world. I thought I was like, okay, I'm going to become this wife and become, you know, everything to him. And we're going to live this uh, ride or die kind of lifestyle. And, and I'm going to be happy and, and, and everything. Right. So uh, honestly, like you were just saying, like when you're at that age, everything is heightened, everything is a big deal. But then also our sense of of reality is not there, you know, and I, my expectations of what I thought my life was going to be was completely the opposite. So when the first part of it is I, I, the pleasures of sin are for season, the Bible says, you know, and at first it was party, it was fun, it was this, it was that, but very quickly my relationship became so dysfunctional and it became so abusive um, very quickly because of this man that I, that I believe that loved me and um, he physically, mentally, sexually abused me. And I thought that was normal. I thought that that's what it was supposed to be because he would tell me he had mentally abused me and would tell me he's like, the reason I hit you is because I love you. He's like, the reason I'm doing this for you is because you need to know what's right. And I had all the access and all the, all all the help to be able to get out of it. But because I was so young and naive and I didn't understand and I had hurt my family so much, I was, I basically put a prison in myself. Like I put myself in prison, I should say. So 
um, I immediately all of a sudden was stuck to a routine that I had to do everything for him. I had to take care of him. I had to, I had to clean for him. I had to do this, this, and that. And then when we would do distribution of drugs, I was the one that they would give the drugs to, to put in different areas in San Francisco that had, um, that was, they were DJs and it was house, house music was really big at that time. Mm -hmm. And with that, um, the house music and everything, there was things that we would call, we would um, throw parties. So when those parties were were thrown and everything, you know, they would be able to bring the distribution of ecstasy and distribution of a lot of other drugs, a lot of acid, you know, obviously everything you can name under the sun. And I would help in organize, you know, to be able to do these underground raves. I'm at 14 years old. I'm learning all this kind of stuff, learning how to make crack in our house, learning how to package it, distribute it, and go ahead and go on the street and through my word of mouth to be able to get them to come here to buy it. You know, I never knew that I would be coming out of my Hispanic home that's safe with great food. <laughs> you know what I mean? And coming into this world that is so unknown and so huge and so big that I knew nothing of, but I was being groomed and being taught basically how to be a puppet for this gang and be a puppet mm. puppet for um, for the street world. Because they, if they got caught or if anything got caught, the one that would go down was me. So that's the first part of it. The second part of it is because of the dysfunction, because of the abusive relationship, you know, this man that I was with, you know, he was an alcoholic, 100%, and very involved in the 18th Street Gang in California. And because of that, obviously, I've made a lot of friendships, a lot of connections with very dangerous people. And um, he was abusive towards me. So there was always drama. There was always problems mm -hmm. because of his um, anger issues and because of his problems. You know, a lot of his friends, people that were supposedly, quote unquote, our brothers would be like, uh, bro, what are you doing? You know, like, what are you doing to her? And would cause problems and ripples within the organization of the gang. And because um, there's certain sex, it's crazy. I can't even explain. It's just crazy how much sure. when you think about gangs, it's basically a fake church, the organizational of it. You know what I'm saying? People um, join gangs because they want to belong. You know what I'm saying? But um, anyways, that's a, a Bible study for another night, another day, you know. But the second part of it is he got deported. He got arrested and deported. And when that happened, I felt I felt that was my way out because I couldn't um, get away from him. Um, in my testimony that I shared on social media, um, I had to separate from him because he almost killed me. Um, there was one night that he just went crazy. I think he had taken way too many drugs. And with the mixture of that and alcohol made him psychotic. And um, a souvenir that he had bought, it was a little tiny bat. Um, he was trying to find it so he can bash my head in. And I knew that night mm. that if he would have found it, that he would have killed me. So what happened is, and I know that this was God, 100%. I mean, obviously I was very, very, I was living a very sinful life, but something told me, hide that bat. And I did, I hid it because I knew that he would hit me with it. And so that night I got away from his grip and I ran away. Then I got the phone call that he got deported. I remember being on the phone with him when he was in Mexico and he was yelling at me saying, when I get back there, you know, I'm going to do this, this and that. And I remember standing up for standing up to him. And I said, no, you will never hurt me again. And I, when I hung up that phone, I knew I never see him again. Until yeah. this day, it's been years. I haven't. And the part two of it is, sorry, I keep repeating and saying part two. But when that happened, I lost complete control. 
And I went completely crazy because I was by myself. I didn't have anyone holding me down. I didn't have my parents. I didn't have this um, abusive, controlling man in my life. And when I tell you I lost control, I completely lost control. I was partying every night. Um, I was gangbanging. I mean, there's so much I can say about that. I am not proud of it, but I've hurt many people. And a lot of people have hurt me in the name of our, in the name of the gang, in the name of our brotherhood and sisterhood, which is absolutely complete nonsense. And um, I made lots of money. I mean, everything that's available that you think that's categorized under sin, protection, the adrenaline rush was so addicting. You know, we had rival gangs that we would be able to fight against. And I lived in a life of complete paranoia. But because of all that, I had access to money, sex, drugs, everything, you name it. But then there's a fine line where life changes and it's not a party life and it's not just a habit, but it becomes addiction. And unfortunately, I ended up getting very addicted to drugs. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think what people need to understand, I, I'm glad that you talked about the closeness that you guys had just because it's easy for people on the outside to say, we'll just leave or just go, you know, they, it's easy to say whatever you want to say when you're not the one in it. Mm-hmm. And I know that like, not only do you have memories attached to that, but there's like a, like you said, there's a code of ethics, quote unquote, ethics about gang gang life and about these kind of situations where these people are your friends. And mm-hmm. not only that, they want to be your family. So you, they become more than your family, if that makes sense. Oh, no. Yeah, absolutely. And once you are in it, you're in there for life. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, it is, it is just, it's, 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 it's your life. If you leave, no, you can't, you, this is your brothers, right? This is your sisters. And it's crazy because they call each other brothers, sisters, right? We call that to each other in the church. Like, mm-hmm. so that's why I'm saying it's just, um, it's a, it's a fake, it's a fake church. Because people want to feel like they belong to something. They want to feel like they, you know, it's an identity crisis that I feel everyone goes through. And why people join gangs, why people join anything really is because they're trying to find a sense of their belonging. And I did feel like, I did feel in prison. I couldn't leave. I couldn't just get up and be like, okay, I'm done, y'all. Especially within the relationship because he was infiltrated within the gang too. So it wasn't like I would be leaving the gang. I would be leaving him too. Um, so I was, I was in chains and I, I realized really quickly the mistakes that I made. And, um, when I tell you, I cried every day, God knows I was just completely miserable, Yeah. but you put on a fake smile, right? You put on a fake smile and, 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 you know, you put on this, this front that you're tough and then, oh yeah, I'm this, I'm this gangbanger. I'm this home girl, you know, and in California, you don't have feelings. You're not allowed to have feelings. You do what they tell you because you become their puppet and you, you, and, and it's just, um, it's just so unethical. It's so, um, it's just, it's, it's, um, it's absolutely demonic. If you think, if you ask me, it's just crazy. Yeah, definitely. So now like share with us the moment where you knew things needed to change. You are, you, you know that you're not well, you're crying every night, but you got to put on this front during, you know, during these Mm -hmm. moments of just chaos and 
you can only go so far before it really takes a toll, right? So how how did you know that you needed to do something different? What happened is that there was a set of events that happened like within a week that that came on me like like lightning and I'm like, whoa, like it's this is this is crazy. And you know, just um just about the Bible says about you know, uh, you know, that, that man about talking about Legion, like I came to myself, you know, I realized like, Whoa, what am I doing? What happened is like, obviously I was running, running like crazy, chasing money, chasing drugs, sun up the sun down, no rest. And, you know, becoming a binge addict, anything in my hands, I would get high, put in my body. I was, I was mentally exhausted. I was physically exhausted. And I ended up getting arrested at 17 And um, what happened is I went with a friend, once again, you know, bad friendships, right? And we ended up trespassing and we ended up um, doing like an armed robbery. And and we were in the home and uh, obviously uh, police got called. We got caught. And I remember, you know, being handcuffed and taken and arrested and going, you know, to to jail that that day. And I'm thinking, oh, whatever, whatever. But Mm. then I wore off and the fantasy world wore off and you come to your senses. And that's why I truly believe that why people are in the world are constantly drinking, constantly getting drugs, constantly watching Hollywood, constantly doing things to fill themselves because they're numbing and they're trying to um, silence the voice of reason, you know, trying to silence God, you know, trying to silence the real things because I did that. So once things were silent and I'm handcuffed to a chair. So these I don't know how ethical that was, but whatever. I think they were trying to teach me a lesson, you know, because I was 17 year olds on the street and being crazy. I remember, you know, um, I shared my testimony. I got really, really hungry and um, I was crying and I'm like, oh, my goodness, what's going to happen? They're going to put me in jail, you know, because, you know, obviously we had possession of drugs. We broke into this um, beautiful home, you know, was trying to steal stuff so we can go sell it. Um, You know, I, I remember like one of the one of the policemen I'm like hey you know I'm hungry can I have one of the slices of pizza you know because where they had me I can see that they have food and I remember the policeman looking at me with just such utter disgust JC and telling me here we don't feed dogs Mm. and that is something that hit me so like like to this day I will never forget that man's look and his his words words powerful you know, and the looks of others. And, and I was just like, wow, okay. I got, you know, my, my uncle came and bailed me out. So of course, you know, there was a lot of set of events that I had to do. I had to go to court, I had to do all this stuff and everything. But that night I ended up walking home and um, these sober moments, you know, I started getting really sick because of, you know, withdrawal symptoms and everything. I was walking home and I saw a friend that helped us a lot with the underground raves and our rival gang driving by and I didn't see them. And I saw him get shot right in front of me about 10 feet from me. To this day, I, it is a miracle that I wasn't killed that day. It's a miracle that they didn't see me. I fell to the ground and I ended up seeing the bullet go right, right through his face and through his head. And I saw his brain splatter on the wall in the building where he was. And he fell dead right in front of me. And I, I, was, I was afraid. I was afraid that they were going to get out and, you know, finish him off and then see me and then kill me. So I ran and I ran and I ran. And I remember running and running. And 
I ended up going and it was, I was in the garage, um, you know, like in the, you know, how you go to building complexes. And I remember sitting in an empty garage by myself, you know, just sobbing and crying and telling God, telling, I guess it was God, you know, uh, what am I doing? I just was crying. I was, my life was so in shambles and I had got arrested, these things and all this stuff happened. And that's when it hit me. Like, I, I got, I got to get out of California. I got to get out of here. There's nothing good here for me. And then to put the nail in the coffin is I got a phone call from a friend that said, Michelle, they're looking for you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And, and what happened is that there was um, a leak that was told to the rest of the gang saying that I ended up snitching and that I ended up saying things um, that infiltrated like the gang and everything like that, which was not true. Um, wow. And the hit was put on my, my head and they said, Michelle, they're, they're looking for you. And when they find you, they're going to kill you. And I thank God to this day for that friend because I ended up running, grabbing all my stuff and whatever I could grab that was important to me. And I ran, I've been running for a long time, sis. <laughs> and I ran and I went to another friend's house to, to hide and I called my parents and they got me um, a plane ticket that next day, you know, that morning of, so I ended up, um, they gave me a ride to the, to the, to the airport. I said, um, I'll be safe here. They can't come in here, you know? So I ended up hiding in the, in, in the airport, in the bathroom. And I said, and I remember thinking, I'm like, okay, let me just wait till my plane is. And once I'm in the plane, I'll be safe. I'll be done. And I remember the sense of relief when I got into the plane, I got in there and, um, I ended up passing out because I ended up taking a whole bunch of drugs in the bathroom. That way I can just sleep throughout the whole flight. And then I got to Florida. Um, so yeah, that, that happened within like a week. And, um, mm. I, I believe that's what, what made me just wake up and realize like you are in danger. You are making some crazy bad choices and it's going to end up putting you six feet under. So that's why I'm in Florida because I was running for my life. You don't go through something like that and not have any emotional scars, right? And, um, first of all, thank you for obviously sharing that part of your story. I know that's difficult and not easy to do, but it's the reality of the situation is that if you're living this life, it's not going to be a a big fantasy world. Most of that is all in your head, right? So it's, it's the reality is, is that sin always has a price, but God, Okay. And but so, God. <laughs> but God. So describe for us how God showed up for you after that. What what happened as far as like spiritually when you got to Florida? So when I got to Florida, um, because obviously I wasn't a I wasn't spiritual, I wasn't anything, you know. I I got to Florida, I came back and my parents were just so overjoyed just for me to be back at home. And so they, they didn't care how I was. They didn't care how I lived. They didn't do, they didn't care. When I arrived to Florida, I had blue hair and I was a hundred pounds soaking wet. So of course, when my mother saw me, she started weeping and she's, you know, she's like, I gotta feed you. I gotta get you fat again. I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, you know, I was away. I was free again. Right. It's, I was, I was running. I ran away from home and then I ran away from California. I just kept running and running. And I got there and because we, uh, where they lived, they lived in Tampa, Tampa, Florida. 
um, I just ended up getting back into my own habits and my own things. I mean, obviously I wasn't part of the gang. And I think the biggest difference is that 20 years ago, I mean, there was no such thing as Facebook. There was no such thing as social media. I mean, that is such, such a big part of our world right now. Um, but when I, when I got to Florida, like it just got, it got worse for me. I ended up, you know, doing um, heavier drugs and everything because I was trying to numb the emo- what you just said, the emotional scarring, the mental abuse that I never healed from, from my relationship over there, from the, the, the physical abuse, the, to being told the most awful things. And then to know that these people that you loved and that were supposedly your family was supposedly protect you to, to basically come, they were looking for me. So I was very, very afraid um, to even come out of my house because I was afraid that they would find out I went to Florida. I was afraid that some way, somehow they would find out that they would find my, my parents home, you know? So I was just, and I told my parents right when I got there, I'm like, this is, this is happening. So my dad, you know, my dad's always been very strong. My dad has always been very brave. And he said, don't worry about it. I will not let anything happen to you. And um, I was so ashamed that I'm like, I'm bringing this danger to my family, to my parents' home. And I got worse there. I ended up getting into more drug addiction, you know, the party life again, you know, um, multiple relationships, you know, trying to fulfill the void and the hurt and the abuse and the pain that only the Holy Ghost can fill. And I was just, just, just this, just empty shell of things. And um, I, what the most, the most broken part about me is of, of course, you know, I, I had this crazy relationship that hurt me tremendously. And I had, you know, this lifestyle that because of the lifestyle hurt me tremendously. Um, my actions were, my decisions and the actions that I did was what hurt me the most was I had such deep wounds that were festering, that were so broken because within the gang life, I, you know, we had to hurt people and we had to do things that were dangerous and that were so violent and to live in that amount of fear is exhausting. It's, a, it's, it's mentally abusive. Yeah. And, um, it's just, I lived in so much paranoia to the point where I, even after I got into the church and God filled me with the Holy Ghost, I refused to wear red for the first two years of walking for God, walking with God, because obviously I was a crip, 18th street. I only wore blue, brown, and black. And I was so, I, and you know, what's really funny though, is that I absolutely love the color red. <laughs> and yeah. I that's how bound I was in sin and how bound I was in this world that I, even after the, the chains of that influence was so upon me, you know what I mean? So with that being said, I had to deal with shame, guilt, regret. Um, I chose to pick up guns and shoot them in drive-bys. I chose to, um, you know, hit people that were completely innocent and you know we used bats we used we used anything you know to to do violence and to gain control and turf over uh, San Francisco and the streets because what 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 is power there is money 
So when you take dominion, you know what I'm saying, in those streets and everything, um, you can take dominion over uh, over the people. And um, not to get all like in, in debt about like street life and, and, and gang operations and everything, but it's just, um, it's very wicked. And the what happened is that God had to take me out, out, out of that environment. My parents said all of a sudden, hey, we're moving to Arcadia, Florida, which is probably the smallest country town in Florida where there is absolutely nothing. I mean, I don't think they even had a Walmart. <laughs> and we moved here because they saw just how sick I was. You know, they saw just how my lifestyle was just crazy. And I moved here. And when we moved to Arcadia, I ended up withdrawing really bad from drugs and um, was able to just life. I felt like life stopped and I started, it started going really, um, it started going really slow. And that's to answer your question is God had to take me, had to move on my parents to take me out of the environments that I was so distracted and was still basically self mutilating myself, still self sabotaging myself. And, you know, you know, and sometimes your environment is very powerful and it, it will affect you. Right. And you did, you know, you mentioned the scripture a little bit ago about, you know, sin, the pleasures of sin for a season. And then you mm-hmm. mentioned, then you mentioned reaping what you sow. And yes. these are things that we say, but it's doesn't come true until we go through it. Right. And you went through it, a lot of <laughs> it. And thank the Lord that you are here and you are alive and you are sharing this story because you are trying to pull somebody out of the miry clay. You're trying to reach back, not because you want to go back, but to help somebody out of their situation. And so hearing you talk about having this emotional damage, this besides obviously physical damage, but this emotional, spiritual heaviness, as much as we don't want to talk about that, that's the biggest thing we should talk about because I don't think we talk about that enough is that when we, when we make choices, even if we are saved and we get better, number one, we still have memories attached to those choices. Yes. And number two, we still have emotions attached to those choices, even when God heals us. Just the fact that you wouldn't even wear red for so long. You, like you said, you were indoctrinated in that lifestyle. And so it, people can talk about church people being indoctrinated. Either way, whether you're inside or outside of the church, you're going to be influenced. Yes, and amen. You had to learn that you much rather be influenced by the goodness of God than the sin of the world. And that's not an easy thing to decide to do. But we have such an awesome God who loves us and he loved you even when you were broken. You know, you you talked about like feeling hurt and shame when that police officer said that to you, which is an awful thing to say. It's very (laughs) nasty. Even if you were the worst criminal of the world, you know, in the world, just having that attitude towards you and 
realizing that sometimes we take that attribute and put it on God, you know, like God would never want me just like he didn't want me or God sees me the same way that police officer sees me. You know what I mean? Like, and realizing that that's not true, that he just really loves you and he loves everyone. And he calls us all to repentance, but also to have that beautiful relationship with him. And amen. right now there are teenagers out there. Maybe some of them are even listening to this episode who are actually in church and they're in their homes and maybe they have a loving family like you did. Maybe things are a little bit strict. Like you had, you know, things that were strict. I know coming from a Latino home, same here with me. They do the best that they can. Um, and, uh, maybe they they feel like, man, like what, what are they keeping me from? You know, they're keeping me away from freedom. Uh, they're keeping me away from friends. They're keeping me away from relationships. But I would love it if you could just encourage them. How would you encourage those teenagers right now who maybe are feeling like they want to run away or they want to just have that quote unquote, we're doing a lot of quotes this episode of, like, <laughs> of freedom. That, that idea of freedom, they think it's free if they break away. So how would you encourage them? What would you say to them right now? What I would say is, um, excuse me, just a moment where you're talking, I just got really emotional just because, um, you know, you, you talk about, you talk about these things and man, God's good, right? <laughs> God's good. Mm-hmm. Um, what I would say to these, uh, to any young person that is dealing with questions, you know, in the church and, and feeling all these kinds of things is that your, your perspective is so powerful. And if I could stand, you know, where any stand on a, uh, with a, with what's it called that microphone or whatever megaphone and tell every single young person that is feeling curious and feeling the pull of the world or feeling like, hey, I'm having issues and problems with with things at home. I want to tell them that the facade of this world is a lie. You know, they think you think that this world this world is gonna promise you XYZ. It's only, you know, am I gonna sit here and tell you like, oh hey, there's no pleasure in sin? I'm lying to you. There is, but it's only short lived. And I would encourage them that that it's better to, you know, it's better to be where you are now than for you to live with regret, for you to live with past mistakes and with scars and wounds that I've lived with. I wish I had the testimony to say that, oh yeah, I was raised in church and God is so good, or that I came into the church really young because my parents changed their life. I don't have that story, you know, um, but God has my story. And I would encourage any young person to take a step back and look at the bigger picture, you know, find mentors, find helpers in the church, find a confidant, find people that they can um, confide in to help them in their walk spiritually. Because I feel with every person, even, you know, raised in the church or not in the church or whatever there, there's, we all, there is a crossroads that we all have to come to. There's a crossroads where we have to acknowledge like, wow, God, you know, you're real. And I'm going to choose to serve you. I would encourage a prayer life. I would encourage not just a prayer life, but a life of prayer. 
you know, because that altar has to become your best friend. Every young person deals with insecurities. They deal with hurt, maybe sometimes even abuse in their home. But that has to be confronted and healing has to occur. But that only starts at the foot of the cross. And that's at the feet of Jesus. You know, it's at the altar. Amen. And it is so easy when you are in church for a while, especially if you've been raised in this, to hear these words and just think of them as just words. These are just Mm -hmm. words that you've heard and not have any connection to them. And so maybe this is a challenge to you today. Maybe you are not feeling connected to these words. You know, when you hear Michelle talk about, you know, the altar, when you hear repentance or, or whatever, it's like, maybe it's time to actually run towards God and, and just lean more into him and, and, and be honest with yourself and, you know, just, and be honest with him because he knows and don't be afraid to just share your heart and don't be afraid to say ugly words out loud, you know, pray just with some realness. I think sometimes we think we have to have eloquence. We have to ever have the right things to say and, Listen, when you are struggling, you're having a hard time. It's not pretty. (laughs) And we expect all of our prayers to be pretty. But (laughs) that's not how it works. And there's not like a copy paste, you know, formula for how to be saved as far as like, um, you know, how you should the words that you need to say as like a magic password is what I'm trying to say, you know? So it's like, I love all that you shared. And I think it's just so important um, that we just are honest with ourselves. And, and if we're really struggling with even going to the altar, we need to truly um, pray about that and be honest with God about how we feel and ask God to change our hearts and to, to change our motives about that. Cause that's, that's something that's kind of our responsibility, you know? And, um, and I know it's hard when you are, you feel like everyone's telling you what to do. You feel like you have no control, but you do have control. You have control over showing up. And I guess we should all just show up and it doesn't have <laughs> to be pretty. <laughs> just show up however way you show up and let God be the one to, I guess, make you better, right? Make you holy. Um, Yes. Yeah. And uh, so looking back, I mean, obviously we've been looking back, but can you share what God has taught you about love in the world? You touched on it a little bit, but I I would love you to just expound more on that. Oh, absolutely. So when it comes to love, people have, I think the whole world have a very just toxic understanding and definition on what love is. And they, sometimes it's very selfish. What can this person do for me? How can they make me happy? Because obviously people, you know, the only thing that can fill the heart of, of, of us is God. True love comes only from God because he is love. And unfortunately in this wicked world, um, you know, the love that supposedly that you give 
it's basically sucks. It sucks you dry. And then you wonder why there's so many broken relationships, why there's so many divorces and why there's so many, just, um, just everything that the world brings with it because they have a wrong perspective on love. And I had a wrong perspective on love. So with that being said, if, if God is not the center of any relationship that is with, that has to do with love, then it won't work. Because if, if Jesus is not in the center of it, then we're leaning on the arms of the flesh and, and there will be disappointments because there is false expectations because we kind of put that person, let's just talk about like a relationship. We put that person on a pedestal where they should never be on a pedestal. It should be God. We're talking about, you know, true love. I remember praying to God and, and, and telling God, Hey, you know, I want to be loved. I want to have a relationship you know, when I was really young in the church and um, I think every single lady and if some ladies are like, no, that's not me. You lying. I think every woman desires to be adored. Every woman desires to be, you know, romanced and to be treated like a queen to, to be told she's beautiful, all the love languages, right? All of them. And for them to feel fulfilled with, with love. But what happens is that the error happens when we expect a man to do that for us, because really, honestly, I remember telling God, I just want someone to be crazy in love with me. And I remember God speaking to me so powerfully and said, I am crazy in love with you. And you cannot rely on a human relationship to fill that void in your life that only the Holy Ghost can. Because when you learn that God is your everything, how can you love someone else if you don't experience first the love of God and then love yourself? You cannot pour in, pour from an empty vessel. You have to know the love of God, accept the love of God, love yourself and know who God is in your life before you can even go into any kind of relationship and be able to love someone else. Because obviously the love chapter in Corinthians, you know, love is kind, love is patient. All those things that comes in that scripture so we we um we have a very uh we have a very toxic very upside down definition you know of what love is and it's not what love is at all love is calorie love is you know dying for this this world that's the love of god absolutely and when you see his love and he shows you what real love is you begin to notice the counterfeit amen and I think that is, you know, one of the reasons why we need to get into his word and we need to pray is because just like any relationship, the more you invest in it, the more you grow. And Mm -hmm. if we're feeling like we don't understand his love, then maybe we need to just get closer because he's ready. He is so ready to be so close to us, but he's Mm -hmm. a gentleman, probably not like the guys that we've seen in the world. (laughs) Not all of them. (laughs) But it's that attitude, right? No, I just was going to say one, one other thing that came to my mind while you were saying that is in Bible study, I teach a lot of young girls this is, you know, when you first start liking a boy and you start talking to them on the phone, 
you're on the phone like 24 hours a day with him, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, when you're yeah. first starting a relationship and, you know, you just want to hear them breathe. You just want to be around them because when you're attracted to someone in a relationship is starting, you're just so just, you know, you just want to be around them and just everything about them. And I teach in Bible study that that's how God is with us. He's, he's basically waiting for you to open your eyes when you wake up in the morning and he's there when you put your head to rest. He's just waiting there for you. And he's just telling you, talk to me. Talk to me. He's crazy about you. He's crazy in love with you. And sometimes in our relationship with God, we neglect speaking and talking with him. And he's just right there, just waiting, waiting and waiting for you to come closer to him. And if, you know, any young girl or anyone, anyone any lady is, is, is listening to me right now, is that prayer is powerful. And prayer is not like, you know, JC was saying like, oh, this eloquent words, sometimes it's war. And sometimes, you know, it's where you can get 100% real. And I was just talking to someone yesterday night about it is where you can go and just be 100% vulnerable in yourself. You know, that's where the operating room is. That's where chains are broken. That's where things happen. And um, a relationship with God, let me tell you, if he is first in your life, Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And then the Bible says, all these things shall be added unto you. If he's not first, all these other things that come your way, how do you know that they're the will of God? If he's not first in it all, you know, so um, just wanted to add that little quick thing, you know, hopefully it encourages Mm -hmm. somebody. Yeah, that was actually the first scripture that I memorized. Um, Is seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. And Um, it's just, it's just keeping our gaze on what is important. The foundation, love God, that relationship is so important. And if you have a relationship with God that has built on anything else, the only way for it to survive, the only way for you to survive is to go back to his love, go back to who he is. Because through that, he'll show you who you're, you're meant to be. And that just is going to be a relationship that's going to outlast any other relationship. (laughs) Amen. 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 So right now, how does it feel for you knowing true love and knowing the true God? Well, well, of course we're blessed, right? We found truth. Um, I am very thankful. I'm very thankful where I am in my present life right now because I think as women, like I was just touching on before, you know, we all deal with insecurities. We all deal with, um, you know, lack of confidence and all that that comes with, with women. I'm very thankful to say that I am very blessed. And the only good that you see in me is because of God. Um, I am not, I am a sinner that God had tremendous mercy on. And I found I found the, I found life. I found the meaning of life. I found my place and I found my purpose and I'm seeking out the call of God in my life. And um, when you are, when you find God and he becomes your everything, it's, it's inedible. It's, 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 it's so natural. It's, it's almost like a knee jerk reaction that you will, duplicate what has happened in your life. And that's why working in ministry now, 
I am very passionate about Bible study and that's my why. I teach all my students, what is your why? Why do you teach Bible studies? Why do you do what you do? Mm. And I tell people all the time, like, you don't know my story. You see me now, but you don't know me back then. I minister to women in my church because I was that broken woman. And I minister to young people in my church because I know what it is to be a 14-year-old girl that was very lost. And I minister, you know, obviously to everyone that I can and, and pour myself into them because one of the things that drives me the most is I didn't have that when I was young. You know, I didn't have like mentors and leaders and everything like that. I had to learn a lot of things the hard way and I had to like figure it out on my own, you know. Um, but you know what, God, our steps are ordered by the Lord, God knows. But I feel very blessed that I'm able to give back. I'm able to, you know, pour in, pour myself into people with Bible study, pour myself into helping ladies and helping women because it really is a passion of mine. Um I think with women, there is such a, such animosity sometimes. And I bind that in the name of Jesus. If we could become so unified, if we can become one, women, when they're united, are powerful. And um, that's something that I, I strive to do, to be able to help women heal and help women um, through my story, through this, this, this testimony, is for women to know that, hey, you know what, we're all, our story's not over. You know, we can continue growing, continue healing. I tell my students all the time, in living for God, you will never graduate. You will always be learning. You will always yeah. be growing. You'll always be, there's always more. So I'm very thankful and just, it humbles me, honestly says, it humbles me that I was no one. I'm still nobody. The only reason I'm, 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 I am where I am is because God, and not that I've achieved great things or anything. I'm just thankful to be in the church and I'm thankful to be saved and I'm thankful to have received the Holy Ghost. And that's why I'm a soul winner. And I, I, I point people to church and I help people in the church and I encourage new converts because the same kindness that God has shown me, I want God to show them. And that's what we need to be. We need to be ambassadors of the love of God and help people, help them along the way, mentor and, and lead them. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm blessed and I'm very thankful what God has done for my life. Amen. I'm thankful, too. It's just the more I just, you know, um, think about it, what he's done and how your story could have gone. It's only by the hand of God that you were here. And that's how God works because he deserves all glory. and He doesn't share it with anyone else. And I know that there are probably so many things stirring within your heart. And I would love it if you could just take a moment to share anything else that has been, you know, pressing upon you or, something you've been thinking about lately, what would you like to tell us um, about what God has been teaching you? What God has been teaching me? Well, he's been teaching me a lot. (laughs) But I guess to to share here is um, that time is very short. And that's something that's been really resonating in my spirit lately. Um, If you feel to do anything for the kingdom of God, do it and do it now. I limited myself for many years because of spirit of fear. 
And I limited myself because I thought I wasn't good enough. I thought I wasn't enough. Um, the spirit of inadequacy is real. And if, if there ever is a time for us to make an impact in our world, it's now. So whoever is listening to this, what God has put on your heart to do for the kingdom, do it and do it in his name and do it for his glory. And that's one of the biggest reasons why I shared my testimony is because if God can use my story for his glory, what if we all shared what God has done? What if we all, you know, did what God has put on our hearts to do? Why? For the kingdom of God, for the winning of souls. It's, it's the time is now. Do it. Do it. Whatever. God wants you to write a book, do it. God wants you to do uh, start a podcast and partner up with JC, do it. <laughs> you know, if God wants you to lead something in your church prayerfully, obviously, you know, stay obviously in, you know, um, in the order and, and submit it to your leadership and everything. And with God, you know, what is it, you know, that God wants you to do? If you want, he wants you to win a soul, wants you to teach Bible study, do it. You know, sometimes it's just like, hey, we say and we're well-intentioned to do all these things. And we're like, you know, one day I'm going to be uh, this. Uh, if you want to be a woman leader, if you want to be a woman preacher, preach the word, sis, and do it well. You know, whatever it is that God has put on your heart to do, let's not procrastinate anymore. Let us not stop. If this world can be so bold in their wickedness and so bold in the things that they do, I pray in the name of Jesus for women to rise up and become strong and to work in ministry and become leaders to other women. And for us to set a standard that, hey, God, use us and unite us, especially because, you know what, he's, you know, he's coming and he's coming very soon. So many things in the news and so many things that are happening are just uh, people are like, oh, that's crazy news. No, it's Bible prophecy, <laughs> you know, things that are happening. And let us be encouraged that we need to tell everybody about this gospel and if myself, if yourself, you don't know how to teach a Bible study, you don't know how to win the lost, then get linked up with someone in your church and get involved. You know, let's grow the kingdom of God together and um, let's help people because it's all about at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the whole point is to love God and love people. And um, in Jesus name, let's do it. Ah. Well, I'm about to take a lap around my house in a minute. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying not to preach. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love that. Obviously. Yeah. Um, I'm just so grateful for you for allowing, <laughs> you know, me to just sit with you and just hear your story and the fact that you actually want to um, be so open and vulnerable. It is a gift. And so I appreciate that. And thank you for taking time to be with us today on the podcast. I know that it's going to be a blessing and it is going to inspire those who are listening. I know I'm inspired and I'm uplifted. And uh, where can people follow you on social media so that they can connect with you? On social media, I am on Facebook. Obviously, my name is Michelle Ramirez. Um, but you can follow me also on Instagram at Shell Ramirez. That's C-H-E-L-L-R-A-M-I-R-E-Z. And then also our ministry page is at TRC underscore Casting the Net. That's the name of our Bible study um, ministry that we have here with our church. Um, I'd love to see you. love to connect with you. 
Um, and then just, you know, just to, if I could leave you with just this, um, this last thing, I heard a most incredible, powerful quote that has really helped me live with my life, you know, and, um, and I hope maybe this could, you know, bless somebody if they're hearing, but um, everyone knows that Steve Jobs was the creator of Apple computers and everything and how much so it's crazy how majority of everyone has an Apple iPhone. I'm on an Apple Mac right now. You know what I'm saying? Like everyone has that. One of the most powerful quotes that he said was um, regarding obviously um, his business and regarding Apple was that he wanted to make a dent in the universe. When I heard that quote, it resonated so powerfully with me because this is a man that has no thought of God. You know, he didn't have, he doesn't have the Holy Ghost, but us that we are filled with the spirit of God. We are filled with that same quickening spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead. What can we do to make a dent in the universe? What has God called you to do? And just like I have found my why, my testimony is my why to go ye, the Bible says, and make disciples. I encourage you to take that quote and make a dent in the universe for such a time as this. In Jesus name. Thank you so much, Michelle, for being on the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really, I really enjoyed myself. This was, this was good. Sorry for the tears, but you know what? They're, they're real tears, real life. And um, I appreciate what you do and I admire it. Thank you so much. If you found this episode inspiring or helpful, would you take a screenshot of it and share it on your Instagram stories? Tagging me at Hello Awesome Live. I would be so encouraged. Also, please leave a five-star review in iTunes or Apple Podcasts, sharing how God used this to bless you. Don't forget to subscribe so you can tune into future episodes. To learn more about Hello Awesome and shop inspirational products, head to helloawesome.live using the promo code HELLO10 for 10% off your next purchase. Until next time, keep your chin up beautiful.